Welcome everyone to the Business Growth Advantage. Today I'm joined as not always, but it's always a great time when I am joined by my co-host Liz Henson. Liz, I'm so excited that you're with me this week. Oh my gosh, I feel like it's been a while. We took some time off for the holidays and I just, I've missed everyone. I'm so excited to be back. I know. And if you've been keeping notes, then you know that when Liz joins me, that's a sign that we're going to go deep on team building for this episode. And so for today, I wrote it down. The title of this episode is seven ways to easily and profitably build your dream team. I love it. So if 2023 is the year that you're going to do it, you're going to invest in building a stronger team, bringing on virtual or local teammates to your business so they can help you do less of the stuff that you feel like you're stuck doing and focus on more of what matters and what's fulfilling for you, this is the episode for you. Yeah. And I always try to remind myself, like, how much money are we leaving on the table or wasting if we continue to do tasks that can be done for less, right? Like that way of thinking can be so backwards of I'm not ready to hire somebody because I can just do it myself and save money. But if that time could be spent in a different task that makes you more money, right? It starts to all make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So how many of you, if you're watching live or on the replay, have business growth as a commitment or a goal or a resolution for the new year? I'm talking to a lot of business owners right now who they know that if I want to grow and scale my business this year, I'm going to need a stronger and or bigger team. Yep. And you can't think about this early enough. I also can't tell you how many business owners I talk to that might be at a multiple seven or eight figure mark, but because they never really thought about team building at an earlier chapter in their business, now there's fires all the time. And it is way easier to, you're just going to be so much happier if you take the time now, if you're a below multi seven figure business owner to think about team building, to put these processes in place so that you can really enjoy being at that next level in your business. Yeah. And I really don't think it's ever too soon to start, right? Like that's how we learn is by just trying. And I got a lot of things wrong when I first tried to outsource things, but that's how we figure it out. And I'd rather get it wrong early in the business than like you said, get it wrong when now you've got all these fires to put out because you just can't manage the capacity. Well, Liz, you're doing such a great job and I know you're in the thick of it. Like, yeah, this is on my team. She also has her own business, but I've seen the huge milestones, especially in the past year of Liz's team building. And So much of this, the benefit is month to month, year to year, you look back and all of the efforts that you put into building a stronger team is just this 
snowball, this domino that allows for more and more freedom and more and more impact over time. Yeah. Gosh, that reflection is always so important, right? Like, I feel like, man, I really don't have my stuff together. One of my most recent hires was like, wow, I had a little slideshow and onboarding all the things that you taught me. And she was like, this is so impressive. I'm just so glad to be here and like all pumped up. And I hadn't thought about that moment in a while. So thank you for that. (laughs) Of course. I love what you said too about you can never think about this early enough because there are certain episodes that we do that are more relevant to people at a certain stage in business growth than others. But this really is a really great episode, a really great topic, no matter where you are in business, because these principles are are really the same, no matter where you're at, you're going to learn something here. So these seven different ways we want to start off kicking things off at a foundational level. The number one thing that you have to do is you have to clarify the finish line of your business. Mm. Or clarify you have to have a where vision you're going, of where you're going. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I talk to so many business owners who are starting the process of hiring a team. And this doesn't usually get talked about. Usually we jump to questions of how do you delegate this type of a process? How do you give access to an email, set something up of using whatever apps or sharing passwords. That's all good. But when you bring someone on, it is next level helpful when they have a sense of how the business is going to be growing and where they fit in to Mm -hmm. that vision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. When you ask, where do you see yourself or what kind of roles excite you? I mean, I think it's important that we constantly check in, you know, how much are you enjoying this task? Do you want more of it? What's your capacity? I think it's a lost thing to think about how much they're enjoying something because we just want the task done. We just want to pay them. We want the task done. We think the money is enough to motivate them. When in fact, if they're enjoying the work that they do, they're going to take a whole nother level of like initiation on the tasks. Yes. I'm glad you said that because when I say you need to clarify your finish line, I mean that in two different ways. I mean, you need to clarify the vision for yourself of what you want of whatever take home salary, how much freedom you want during the days and weeks. All of that is a must have in the business world. You really want to get as clear as you can about what owning the business of your dreams looks like. Maybe you want to take Fridays off. Maybe you want to have six day weekends, right? Maybe you just want to be working one day a week. We all have different visions of what ideally it would be like as a business owner. And it's important and not bad at all to think selfishly about, okay, what's the life that I want for myself? But you also have to think about it in the second way of how can I clarify the finish line for the business? Because as much as you might love that freedom and that take-home pay of whatever, that's not going to inspire the whole team to get behind you to make that possible. And so once you realize this is the life that I want for myself, then you can say, okay, what does the business need to look like for me to be able to have this take-home, have this style of freedom? And If I can get real, I know I've shared this on the podcast before, but so much of why freedom matters to me is because I 
really value impact and taking care of my clients. Mm -hmm. And if something were to happen to me, I still want our clients to be taken care of. And yes, that does mean that I want to get to a point where I'm working as little as possible, which means that the business is kind of bulletproof from any accident that might affect me. But also that means that we need to have a certain type of team in place. We need to have certain systems and processes. And in building that business, we've identified core values. We've identified a mission and a purpose and things like the million trees that we want to plant. And to your point, Liz, those things are what really inspire and rally a team to, to stick with you, to do the work and to work collaboratively with each other that you, tends to fall short if you just focus on bonuses and gifts and things. Yeah. And I don't want to get too off track, but this is such a good point. And I think as CEOs and business owners, it's important for us to share with our team too, like, what does our ideal day look like as the CEO? And I actually experienced this when I was working on a team and, you know, I said, she was way overworking, you know, way overworking. And I'm like, tell me what your ideal day looks like so that I can embody who I need to be, you know, as your right hand person to help fit your day into what you want it to be. And we might not hit it, but if I don't know what that is, I can't help you get there. And, you know, that long-term vision of where we want the company to go is just important. If we can't articulate the finish line, then our team can't help us build the map to get there. It's impossible. Yeah. Well, you, you know where I'm going with this, Liz, because you <laughs> talked about a map, right? When you yeah. think about uh, a map or a GPS, you need two things. You need to know the destination and you need to know where you are now. Yeah. So the second thing on this list of seven is you need to clarify where you are now. Mm. And this is where I want to introduce something that we've talked about before, but I have to talk about it here because it's essential, which is a team chart. Mm -hmm. And specifically what we at BGA called an elevator chart. We used to call it an accountability chart on steroids. Then we called it a 4D chart for a while. We're now calling it an elevator chart. If you don't know what I'm talking about, write the word elevator in the comments and I'll send you an amazing template to what this is. But I'll share what I mean. And then I know that Liz is in love with this chart so she can speak to it as well. But to give you some context for why this is so helpful, when you think about visually explaining what your team looks like. For years, the default way of structuring that was something called an organization chart, mm -hmm. where there was someone who was the CEO or president, there was someone who was the COO, and then there were certain VPs and so on. And it was kind of like the yearbook version of your team, right? So everyone's got their one photo of where they are on the team. And a few years ago, along came this distinction, this thing that kind of looked like an organization chart, but was different, which was called an accountability chart. And the great thing about an accountability chart is it's more based on roles than people, which is super helpful for small businesses. Because if you're like most of us, there's not one person leading each one of those different departments and filling out each one of those boxes. In fact, for a lot of us, especially when we start, we're all of the things, right? We're wearing all of the hats. And so an accountability chart allows you to say, I'm in multiple of these roles at once, which is helpful to a degree. Most accountability charts 
even though they helpfully point out the roles, they don't get macro in terms of, okay, below that VP or department lead level, who's doing certain tasks? Who is responsible for the different types of performance work, the different types of tasks that needs to get done from, it might be administrative or it might be super highly valuable like client work. So what we've put together, this elevator chart, allows you to have a visual place to put down all of the roles in the company from leadership to doer level and to have it so that you can put people's names multiple times throughout the team chart. Yeah. And easily make changes. So when, you know, teammates shift or they move up the chart or you lose one and you gain one, it's so much easier to make those changes when the entire chart is built off of roles and not necessarily names. Yes. And so if you pair these two things together of clarifying where you want to go and where you are now, this elevator chart is a really helpful visual that allows you to do both. It gives Mm -hmm. you a sense of currently, what are all of the different roles that you're filling? This is the snapshot of where you are now. And how can we start to mess with this chart in terms of adding highlights or just adding new names with things with maybe parentheses or asterisks saying, okay, over the next three months, year, three years, what are the roles that I want to design myself out of? Mm -hmm. And it's so much easier to turn that into a task of, okay, this month, I know that I need to create a system or document my process around this specific task when you've mapped it out in that way. Yes. There's so much talk about the importance of having like strong KPIs and having your profit and loss statements or like a dashboard around certain revenue. If you don't have a team chart like this in place, you're missing out on some massive clarity that will help you figure out if this is where I'm at and this is where I want to go, what needs to change so that my name can start getting replaced in these things. Because if if you're like most business owners, you didn't sign up to always be wearing all of the hats. And this elevator chart is your map for how you can eventually do less and reach a point that we were able to reach last year at Indie Law, where I am now just the CEO of Indie Law. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So it's so good. So it's one of my favorite pieces of Next Level CEO is they're going to walk away with this tangible chart that we've built. (laughs) It's so helpful. So that brings us to number three, because I talked about how this chart shows the doer level of things. And it's really important to be thinking about getting yourself out of doer level tasks. Liz, you kicked us off saying, you know, this can be sensitive for people because you're probably hesitant to start paying money for someone else to do something. It is crazy that we now live in a world where it is easier than ever and cheaper than ever in an ethical way to delegate more and more of those doer tasks, especially at those administrative doer tasks. So thing number three is to hire more doers overseas. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we fall victim of the magic wand approach. We're like, oh, I just need to hire a marketer. I just need to hire an ads person. And we come up with the most expensive roles possible because we just want this magic wand to come into our business and solve the problems. Yeah. When really it's like, no, we want to start delegating the most repeatable tasks that'll give us some time back 
And then we can focus on some of those marketing efforts and bigger ticket items. Man, that's so good. What just popped in my mind was there's all of those like get skinny rich or get skinny quickly things out there of the six minute abs. (laughs) Yeah. Or get rich fast. Like, yeah, there's all these things. But the when it comes to specifically like the weight loss and the fitness programs, there's all of this stuff around like dieting and how to get these results quickly. Mm. And even if they work, you tend to not keep those results for very long. Mm-hmm. And I see something really similar where a lot of people want to hire certain people like marketing experts or whatever. I love that magic wand approach of, oh yeah, just I want you to just work some magic and take my mind off this. It usually doesn't work, but even if it does, it tends to not be a very sustainable solution Mm -hmm. because if something happens with that relationship, then now you're back from square one. And one thing that I've learned over the past few years, I don't know how much we've talked about it, Liz, but I'm like in year two now of like a fitness journey that I've gone on. And Mm. I do not have that before and after photo of like, oh my gosh, how crazy is this change kind of a thing? But I have, because I've built the habits and long-term shifts into play here, I know that the transformation that I've made is way more sustainable. And I think that there's something similar to that, where when you do the harder work of delegating these more administrative tasks over time, and then you look back, you've got a much stronger more machine-like sustainable foundation of the doer work getting done without you having to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's creating a new habit. It's doing a little bit each day, right? Gosh, I saw this, you know, TikTok the other day about this guy who had been practicing sobriety. Mm. And he's like, when I started, I didn't think about, can I do this for eight years? I just said one hour, one day. I know that's extreme, but team building, being a good leader, it is a way of being, and it is something that we have to practice a little bit at the time every single day, right? And thinking about what in our business is repeatable that we can document, you know, every single day. It's like a house. It's never quite finished, but you're just working on it all the time. Your website, it's never really finished, but you're working on it all the time. (laughs) And Liz, I'm not sure how you'll answer this, but I know that for me, when I start to delegate something that I've been doing for a while, especially if it's something that I like doing and it was hard for me to give up, once that is totally off my plate and maybe six months into the future, something happens like, oh, Joey, all these people are out of office. Can you please take over? All of a sudden that feels so heavy. Mm. Can you relate to like having to go back to doing something that you delegated a while ago? I've said multiple times that if my team was not helping me, like I won't show up on social media, Mm. (laughs) like Instagram specifically, you know, at one point they are doing about 90%. And I was like, if they aren't doing this, you might see me show up like once a week (laughs) because it feels heavy all of a sudden, like they're creating the graphics, they're writing the captions, like they're doing everything. Yeah. And to have to go backwards. Totally. Yeah. We, it is unfortunate when we see business owners going backwards and we could spend probably the rest of 
today talking about the breakthroughs that we've both had in terms mm-hmm. of hiring overseas for these admin doer level tasks. But a related point is number four on this list of seven, which is to create 90 day welcome trainings for your mm-hmm. new team. You're so good at you're so good at this and you're so good at helping people get to that 90 level 90 day cycle of mastery. Yeah, I love that you call it the cycle of mastery because that's what we do is, again, when I first did this and I had a VA, it was like, okay, I want you to do X. Yeah. Done. And then they would make mistakes and I would say, no one can do this as well as I can. So I would go back and just do it all. What we've since learned after I made all of those mistakes is the goal is to walk people through a process so that they gain mastery over time right? Mm-hmm. And we found that on average, it takes about 90 days. So about a quarter in the business world for a new teammate to go from confidence wise, feeling like they have a level of competence in a task or recurring project to being proficient in it, to really being a master at it. And so what we do with all of our new teammates now is we bring them on, we onboard them, we get them all set up in our various apps And then when we give them a project, especially a recurring project, we say, okay, we're giving you 90 days of us having training wheels on -hmm. this project where we want to set things up so that you feel like you're super supported on this. Over time, we want to empower you and take the training wheels off. Mm -hmm. Yep. I know. That also is super helpful because usually they have questions that you realize that as good as you thought your processes were, oh, it would be really helpful to add a step seven part B to something. Oh my gosh. Or, we learn um, so much just in that process of teaching. Yes. We learn it's so much more than just let me record myself doing this, right? But having them mm-hmm. understand why pieces are important. I mean, I think I saw one of your SOPs the other day and it was like, why we freaking do it this way, <laughs> right? Yes. Like leading with that. I like to look at it as like, tell me the desired outcome so I can work backwards. If I don't, that goes back to number one. If we don't know the desired outcome of a project, how do we map it out? Yeah. And one thing that if I'm being honest, our team isn't doing yet, but I think we're going to start soon. So I'm just giving you a sneak peek of what we're going to start adopting soon is taking this 90 day approach and getting even more powerful with it and saying, okay, every quarter we are going to basically have a different group of new teammates that are going to go through a 90 day journey together. Mm. So it would be really great if we got into a rhythm where our new hires were all basically brought in at the beginning of each quarter. Yeah. And all of our 90 day welcome periods were kind of in alignment so that there was a Q1, Q2, Q3, and Q4 90 day welcome. And it was almost like these are the classes being initiated. They might all be working on different types of projects. They probably are, but really giving them a sense of community and collaboration and also simplifying it so that instead of having a bunch of different 90 day timetables, we just have four throughout the year. I love it. Something that we adopted that was completely by accident that I ended up loving I, my teammate that used to do everybody's 90 day reviews, you know, Mm. I don't have her anymore. So I was like, okay, how can I 
continue to do these 90 day reviews, but in a way that doesn't require me to be on meetings or whatever. Yeah. So every 90 days, every quarter, they take their tasks and they rank how much they're enjoying it on a scale of one to 10. So every single little teeny mm. tiny task, even down to like voxing with Liz, right? Everything is on there and they rank how much they're enjoying it on a scale of one to 10. And then there's a lot of these higher level questions of like, where do you see yourself? What excites you? What bores you? And that way, every 90 days, I have this pulse on what's their capacity. What are they enjoying? Anything less than an eight, we're going to work them out of so that they're always staying at nines and tens. And we just do it all via like a Google doc where they just fill it out and we send it back and forth so that I don't have to spend time on meetings, but I'm getting that really valuable feedback. And I find that they're actually more honest when they're not like that pressure of like face to face, they can really be thoughtful and take 24 hours or however long. And again, this was something I created out of thin air trying to save myself some time. And I just really, really enjoyed it. So anybody that's listening that like that check in feels daunting, like it's okay for it to be in writing as long as you're getting that feedback. It's going to keep everything like constantly moving forward. And I always kind of dread it. But then once I get those results, I'm like, oh, this is so awesome. (laughs) It really does feel like you're reading my mind on this stuff in terms of what the next topic is going to be. Because (laughs) when you said, you know, how can we save times not having the meetings? The what I have down as number five on this list of seven is using Slack for team communication. Mm, yes. And we have not started that yet. So that's very timely. You know, we did a well, whole episode on Slack. I feel like we should point back to that for a second. Yes. <laughs> yes. We can find that and link to it in the comments and the show notes. And because we have a whole other episode, I won't belabor this point too much. But when our team not only shifted to Slack, but said Slack is going to be our only way of communicating in the team. Like, yes, we all have emails and we might be communicating externally with vendors or clients or referral partners or whatever, but we keep our team communication in Slack. Mm. It has been a total game changer in terms of respecting people's inboxes. Also make sure that people feel like they don't have to be bouncing around between text messages between certain team members or Voxer or WhatsApp or whatever. And then also we've created different channels based on the different departments or units in the team so that when someone wants to talk to someone, they're thinking about it more as a role and department-based conversation and not a Liz and Caitlin conversation. Yeah. And, you know, I just have to give you guys credit too and just the organization in Slack and ClickUp in the daily review document. I mean, everything is really mirroring that accountability chart and it just makes it so easy to find your way around the business. Yes. And I want to say to Liz and to anyone else who's listening, if you have a smaller team to find that however you will, it can feel hard and awkward to shift to Slack. Because it might feel like, oh, there's, is there really enough of us to be filling Slack with conversation? But the sooner you do it and the bigger your team gets, the more helpful you realize that it is. And so I think this is another one of those things where it's worth taking that shift kind of before you're ready. Mm -hmm. Um, And I highly recommend it. I understand why people might either 
feel like they're not ready for it yet or be bought on the idea, but just haven't prioritized making that shift. But remind us, Liz, how big is your, how many teammates would be in a Slack channel if you built that out? Yeah, so we're about five total. And sometimes okay. there's floating contractors for certain projects that I think is also a great way to use Slack yes. when you have someone that's on a temporary project. And we talked about this in our episode about Slack. And I think one of the reasons I'm resistant, and this is what happens to so many people, is like a bad experience being on a team in Slack right where there was no boundaries and you're expected to answer it like crazy times but all that is preventable that's all preventable with a great team culture and you know you're like proof of that that we don't have to be on slack at 9 p.m in fact you would be frustrated if we were to do something like that you know and step outside of our boundaries yeah. but i think that is why myself and i think a lot of people are resistant is they for me i'm not afraid of my boundary but i don't ever want my team to feel like they're a little bit strapped to communication, yeah. you know, but we are in email too much. So I know that that's mm. like, it gets us out of email. Yeah. But I love your point there because it can definitely be, or feel like, you know, boundaries are gone when you're in Slack and the expectation. So just to clarify, I don't even want to call it an expectation, but the assumption, I guess, with Indie Law is that we do highly recommend that everyone on the team downloads the Slack app, the desktop mm -hmm. app, yes. and has it open in in the background of your computer just because if you only use the browser version, it's so easy for it to get lost in other tabs. So I am assuming that my teammates and I all have the app open throughout the day, but not necessarily that it gets checked or responded to throughout the day. Right. Like I don't have my notifications on, so it doesn't make any like noises at me. And I don't even have yeah. it on my phone. And I know there are moments where I'm like, oh, I wish I had Slack. But then I remind myself of this is not a work culture of instant. Mm. Like it's one thing that's so beautiful about your team and your culture is like, it is not reactive. And so, it's hard to come yes. from a reactive environment and then be put in an environment that is extremely proactive and not reactive it's freeing and it's great, but it's yeah. like, sometimes I have to pump the brakes, right? Like this isn't urgent, Liz, this isn't urgent. <laughs> I love that. And <laughs> that's great because there were times in, when I've taken breaks and I've removed the mail app on my phone, mm. but I kept Slack. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it can be a really helpful. And maybe there is time for a kind of a part two or a sequel to a Slack conversation where maybe in real time we can start to build things out with Liz and catch certain hesitancies there and push her to next steps because you're far from the first person, Liz, that's like, I want to do this, but there are several either like reasons holding me back or like steps to Slack that feel overwhelming that I just am afraid of like taking action on. So yeah. Um, well, you know, I love being the student on here. I'm like, yes, I will be on your show because I know that you are going to teach me by default. I love it. <laughs> So shifting from Slack, before we, we move on, because this connects to the next point, is what we do in Slack, I mentioned that we have these different Slack channels, and the channels are really divided between the different departments in the company, the different sections of work. So what that means a lot of the times is that we set all of the channels to private, and we only give access to team members who really need to see those chats those channels. Mm -hmm. Thing number seven is to promote leaders from within. Mm -hmm. 
I give the context there because I think once you start to elevate team, it and especially if you do it through Slack, it allows for you to say, okay, part of you elevating to a new role is you now get to see access to conversations that you were shielded from hmm. earlier. And so it's super empowering for me and I think for our teammates when we decide to promote someone, have them become more of a manager or even a leader instead of just a doer. And as a result of that, now they, it's like they get new levels unlocked in the game and <laughs> they can see different parts of how the business works. Yeah, gosh. And it's so cool being inside a business that is not only has a good culture, but just has that, <laughs> yeah. right? And just has the accountability chart and has the level of transparency that you have in your company. I mean, like, it's so cool. And even before I was really officially on the team, I was kind of unofficial, right? I was like, man, <laughs> like I am learning at lightning speed, just like being under the hood. Well, we love having you. And I think one of the things that I think you're seeing that a lot of business owners are probably struggling with, but aren't aware of it because they're in it, is when you do start delegating the doer work, you're still the one who is overseeing them and mm -hmm. still kind of checking on the deadlines to make sure that things get met. And when we talk about like doers versus managers, what I mean there is how can you start to elevate certain people on the team so that they can manage the projects and make sure that the doers are accountable to their tasks so that you don't have to. Yeah. We talk so much about how, you know, we spend a lot of time doing certain things that we don't want to do. Once you start hiring people, it creates this whole totally new chunk of time of reviewing other people's work, of checking in. A lot of people say, I'm not a good manager. I don't want to be a manager. I'll push back on that. But I will also say that you're, there's probably a part of you that's right here. There's a difference between being a manager and being a leader and being the CEO. Right. And managing and, things, not people. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And when you can start to promote doers on your team to help you manage tasks so you don't have to anymore, it is a breath of fresh air that you didn't even realize was like you were choking before. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And like you said, it's those moments of like, could I ever go back to that? <laughs> yes. And I say it this way because a lot of times business owners who realize that they're getting caught in the day to day, who don't like managing, they hear a podcast about like, you're a visionary, not an integrator. So hire an integrator. And they're like, oh, that makes sense. I have this personality. I should be a visionary. I need to bring on a partner or a sidekick to do all of the management work that I don't want to do. And that sounds great in theory, but to have a partner, a number two in your company is expensive if you hire a good one. Mm -hmm. And it is so much more manageable and effective and sustainable to, to, use what we call the mailroom strategy of how can we bring people in at, in the mailroom of having them do these administrative $10 an hour tasks first, learn the business, and then promote them to either higher value doer tasks or management and leadership. Yeah. I mean, even just to reflect on your journey for a minute, like at one point it was just you and Caitlin, right? Yeah. And now she is like the COO in a team of 28. Yes. And it was just you and her. 
I'm glad you said that because there were there were so many times in specifically my relationship with Caitlin where we made the mistake that I just told you about, where we yeah. kind of bumped her up to a certain point and then realized, oh, I can still fill in that higher role. What I really need help with is someone managing. What I yeah. really need help with is someone leading this department that I think Caitlin can lead. And when you create this team chart, uh, with the detail that we're talking about here, you can see these opportunities for you to replace yourself in certain roles. And there's a, there's a huge spectrum that you probably didn't realize at first. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not just, oh, I don't want to handle people or manage others. So let me hire a COO or an integrator. It's, oh, how can I find people to start to manage these tasks? How can I find the really good managers, elevate them to leaders? Yeah. And like, even if you have capital and you can afford to bring in these great people, you're probably not going to see the same results if you don't do that work like bottom up, right? Like yeah. we tend to go top down. Yes. Like we learn about this organization chart and accountability chart and we just, our, our brain thinks top down when really we need to think like bottom up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and it's again, in several of the other things earlier, I talked about how we were really thinking in terms of quarters. Mm. And when you think about where you want to go and where you're at now, it can be really helpful, even if it's if it's not super detailed of, okay, in th this next quarter, I want to get out of this management role. A quarter after that, I want to get out of these three other management roles. The next quarter, I want one of those managers to become the the leader of one of my departments. Mm. And uh, it's a huge shift when you start to have a leadership team. And it's an even bigger shift when you have everybody filling a leadership team role and not you. So you're just the CEO. Yeah. And to, to really quickly give an example of that, um, I've, I've been having a team where we've been doing these quarterly planning meetings for, for years now. And uh, up until a year ago, I was leading departments, usually more than one. And what that meant is that when we were doing this quarterly planning, we were coming up with big goals or, or rocks that we wanted to achieve. As the one of the department leads, I was responsible for completing that rock. Yeah. Now that I have a leadership and team in place, including Liz, with amazing, competent team leads, I'm shifting accountability to them mm -hmm. to brain dump and, and structure and clarify and complete these rocks so that I don't have to. I might, I am still involved in at the beginning stage, figuring out, okay, what are the rocks that matter? But once they've been defined, the 90 day period of actually getting the work done is now off of my plate. So I can keep my attention on, okay, 90 days and, and beyond, where is my attention in the business? Yeah. It's, it's so cool to see. I mean, and I've only been on the ride for, I guess, like two years now I've been helping you guys in some way, shape Gosh, or form, crazy. but just to know that like one, you know, there was a time where it was literally just you and Caitlin doing everything and how much it's grown and evolved and you know, it's, it didn't get like this overnight. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely not. And I, and I wish that I had a, a pill to give you guys. Um, but unfortunately it, it can't qu quite work like that. But the good news is 
and it, you can see this in the 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 students in our programs um having these big gains every quarter of getting yourself out of certain roles is just as cool feeling and amazing as hitting the destination as well. So yeah, taking these big steps makes this journey quarter by quarter. You can really tangibly feel the impact and the difference that you're making. Yep. Which brings us to, to number seven, the, the last way to easily and profitably build your dream team. I want to give some context for this because it might seem a little random. So again, my origin story on team building has to deal with a big health scare that I dealt with years ago, realizing that I didn't want the business's growth to depend on my well-being because for a while we weren't sure it was going to happen. And once we kind of designed myself out of the firm, we realized that it's not just me that needs to be have coverage around. Really, the business is most strong when everybody on the team has a sense of coverage where anybody can go on vacation or have a baby or, heaven forbid, get sick. Mm-hmm. and need to go out of office and the company will still function really well. And so yeah. thing number seven is to invest in coverage. Yeah. And we talked about this on our episode before Christmas because Raina, our lead of fulfillment was taking off like yeah. completely off. I think she took like two weeks or something. And I just remember being like a bystander and seeing all this go, go down and be like, man, like it isn't just Joey that can unplug. It's, like everyone, you know, not at the same time, right? But anyone on leadership can unplug and any of the managers can unplug, any of the doers can unplug. I I do think that one of the best gifts and bonuses you can give your teammates is mm-hmm. the gift of coverage, yes. of really saying, not only are we giving you time off, but we are seriously and genuinely expecting you to take that time off. Yeah. And you're not going to come back to like having to clean up a mess. Right. Yeah. Like just think about the peace of mind that that gives you thinking about, oh, I can take time off. I come back and I don't have like 300 emails I have to look at. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just you. Leadership doesn't manage their inboxes either. Yes. I mean, I'm I'm not there yet. I'm still in my first 90 days officially. So I haven't mastered mine yet, but we'll get there. Yeah. No, you totally will. And The one last point on this is as business owners, we should be taking time off, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know of many business owners who, when they take time off, are genuinely completely taking time off. And there is a nobility to that, I guess. It says a lot about someone who is so committed to what they're building that they are choosing even in their off time to put time and attention into it. But think about the example that you're setting. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm seeing this play out with bigger companies right now where the, the leaderships on their teams are, are saying, hey, we know that you got to this position on the team because you've been a rock star, because you've gone above and beyond. Um, we really need you to not work when you take time off, because mm-hmm. when you do, it sends an expectation 
that ripples down to the business and to everyone that you work with, that they are also expected to work during their time off if they want to stay with the company, if they want to grow and get promoted with the company. Yeah. And so uh, it almost goes back to what you said about, you know, when you have Slack, make sure that you set boundaries. When, when you, when you start to have these conversations, you have to be very careful and intentional about saying, uh, yeah, we are, we are building the business so that me as the business owner gets more coverage when I go out of office and that you all get more coverage when you're out of office and you are expected to actually take that time off to set a really good example for everyone else on the team so that we we all can actually enjoy this time off. Yeah. And, you know, something came up for me too, that when you said that it's not just boundaries, it's that team culture, because I think, you know, what makes your team different is you never have to say this is a boundary. Like there's never been a conversation that has been Joey or anyone on the team saying, you know what, I'm setting a boundary. But I think it's because there's this culture of we're just not reactive. Nothing's an emergency, right? And that trickles down from, your energy and your way of being of like, nothing's an emergency. So we know, and that doesn't mean that like, we're not getting stuff done. There's a difference, right? But nothing is this stressful, reactive environment. And that's what I think, as team members, we can say, you know, at 5pm or 6pm, or whenever we choose to clock out, like there's nothing that's going to happen between now and the time I clock in tomorrow that is going to be stressful or cause something bad to happen. Like it's a culture. It's the culture yeah. that naturally creates that boundary. So you don't have to say it's a boundary. I know that's, that's a topic for another day, but I just thought that was really cool to, as you were saying that for me to really be able to, to define the difference there. Yeah. Liz, I am so grateful to have you on these conversations because you you really do help me put words to the stuff in ways that I couldn't if it was just me hitting the live button uh, myself. So, so appreciate you. Oh my gosh, I geek out over it. Well, I know we're getting close to time, but very quickly, just remind everyone what the seven points are. I love to like Absolutely. tie the episode up with a little bow. So again, this is all about easily and profitably building your dream team. And the seven points are, and yes, I did write them down. Number one, clarify your finish line, your vision. Number two, clarify where you are now, which gives you that map of where you are now in your destination. Um, Number three, hire doers overseas, especially administrative doers. Number four is use that 90-day welcome sequence to take your new teammates to mastery. Number five is to lean into Slack for team conversations and uh, ditch the emails. Number six is to promote your leaders from within. Mm -hmm. And number seven is to invest in team coverage. So good. I feel like we just wrote a book. There you go. (laughs) Seven chapters on team building. (laughs) I love it. Who needs chat GPT when you've got Liz and Joey? Who needs it? All right, everybody. That'll do it for this week. And Well, Liz and I will both see you, what, in two weeks? Yep. All right. See you guys in two weeks. Awesome. See you later. Bye, guys. All right. That'll do it for this week's episode of the Business Growth Advantage with me, Joey C. Vitale. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see y'all next week. Learn.